All right, so um, let's start. Let's start in the heart. Um, so I'm just watching the energy real quick. Okay, so let's go ahead and breathe right into the center of the heart space. And as you're breathing into the center of the heart space, breathe in all the different aspects of you that can support whatever challenges you might be facing in the moment. Yep, so we're breathing in all those aspects of self that are of support. And we're exhaling out all the energy that is, we're gonna, we're gonna exhale out all the challenge. Yeah, so we're inhaling right into the heart space, all the parts of you that can support you. And we're exhaling out 360 degrees the challenges, the stresses, the anxieties. And let's do it one more time. One deep, deep inhale into the center of the heart space. Bringing everything with you into the heart that you've got, everything that already is working for you or can work for you. And exhaling out 360 degrees the stress, the challenge, the anxiety, the concern, the worry. Here we go. Okay, so let's set the structure just a little bit more, let's stabilize it a little bit more. So again, we're gonna draw a line from our, our soul star, about eight to 10 inches above your head right down through the center of your body to your earth star. And we'll say that that's maybe eight to 10 inches below your feet. And we're just gonna command that energy to be straight and clear. There we go. There we go. This really represents your multidimensional access or your you know, your access to the kids will be found in this, in this line. Okay, now I want us to imagine that we're drawing a line from our outstretched hand right through our, our, down our arm, through our chest, out the other arm to the hand. And this really represents uh, male, female, it represents uh, polarities, dualities. Yep, and so we're just gonna command that to be completely straight and clear, clear of all interference. There we go. Now we're gonna draw one last line from right out in front of us, right through the center of the heart, out behind us. This representing our relationship to time right now and all the ways in which that's changing and all the ways in which it's changing for the children or has never been that way. Linear time has never quite been that way for the kids. So drawing that line right through our chest and we're commanding it to straighten and to clear. 
Beautiful. Okay, so one last deep inhale into the center of our chest, into the heart. Again, bringing in all of our clarity, all of our stability, everything that works for us, and exhaling out the challenge, the worry, the concern, the fear, the anxiety, the stress. Here we go. All right, beautiful. All right, so when you're ready, let's go ahead and open our eyes. There we go. There, good, nice. Okay, so Sharon, do you have questions for me? Yes, so first question. My two and a half year old is continuing to have sleep issues, nightmares several times a week, very disrupt, sleep, sleep every other night, not liking sleep. He seems to only sleep well. If I'm in the room co-sleeping with him, I have used some tools for clearing his space, setting up a shield, clearing in angels, grounding cord, etc. These help some. I would like to move away from co-sleeping or at least get better sleep with, with him and would like any and all guidance you can give. Um, so I'm... I'm assuming that this is a more recent disturbance. Is that the case? No, it's been going on for quite some time. Okay, okay. So let me just see here. Well, there's a couple different things happening. One is just by virtue of his age and by virtue of his age and the, and the scope of information that he has access to, he's requiring you to sleep with him. And I know that this continues on for a lot of people for a lot longer than this, but we'll, we'll address that too. So um, what he's showing me is by virtue of his age, meaning that he's not, he hasn't fully integrated or um, is not all that present in his physical body, um, he needs that grounding or he needs that your presence, especially as he's moving from a conscious wake state into a sleep state. Um, because it's almost like, imagine like if you had, if it was a little bit fuzzy to you between these two realities, between the physical awake state reality and the sleeping state reality, and you weren't quite sure yet whether you were safe in making that transition and yet your body is kind of going, okay, it's time to go to sleep, you know, or your, your, your body is bringing that forward. So part of what's happening is he's kind of using your body as a, as a grounding or as a, uh, it's kind of using your body as a grounding and or a way to make that transition from waking state to sleeping state. And to me, it feels like the, the scary part for him is the, the transition. It's not so much that, yeah. It, and, and I think that also when you're thinking about somebody who's having nightmares and that kind of thing, he's moving from conscious waking state 
in through the astral realm as he's transitioning into sleep. Most of us do, all of us do that, but most of us aren't privy to that information. Most of us don't see and notice that information as we're making that transition. So that's where he gets a little freaked out. Yeah. And so um, let's see what he wants. Um, so, so what we really want to do here is empower him. So number one, I would have a conversation with the fact that I would just, I would say to him, whether you feel like he fully understands you or not, I would say to him, you're picking up information that most of us don't pick up. You're seeing things that are scary and dark or whatever those are that most of us don't even pick up. Because you can see them, you can do something about them, right? And so let's, let's give him, let's empower him, let's give him a methodology. So, because for, for him, when we're bubbling him up and when we're creating all that stuff, I think it works to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, what he really wants to be is empowered through this process, right? He wants to start knowing right now that mom has a way of telling me how to work with this energy. It reminds me, my, my grandson used to see um, both when he was falling asleep and when we were driving in the car was the typical place. He would see all kinds of darker energies all over the place. And I used to just say to him, you know, it's like, honey, if you can see it, you can do something about it. So, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to, we want to offer it love? Do we want to offer it, you know, we want to beam it with light? Do we want, what do we want to do? Um, and so I, I would reorient this for him because I would say things like, wow, if you're seeing that kind of stuff, you know, let's see what we can, how can we dissolve it? How can we shift it? How can we change it? You know, what colors do you want to put with it? What, you know, what words do you want to say to it? What, what hand movement, you know, it's just, I would get him really involved in his own um, empowerment in that. And my guess is, is that he'll then kind of go, oh, okay, I know how to get from point A to point B, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's what he's asking for anyway. He's, it's a lifelong skill that he's gonna have. It's like, so we might as well teach it to him when he's a little one. Yeah, we, we might as well let him know right from the beginning, this is something that is actually a capacity. It's not a weakness. He's perceiving it as a weakness and therefore he gets all anxious about it. So yeah, let's teach him his capacity in it. And we'll be, I think he'll relax and sleep. Yeah, thank you. I hope that's helpful. What are some good examples of right brain goals I can have the school therapist work on with my daughter? Let's take it out of left brain and right brain for a second and let's just talk about goals that would be specifically helpful for her, right? Um, and so I'm gonna try to tap in without the name, but let me see here. Yeah, I think, um, what's her name? Just her first name. Brianna. Oh, Brianna. Okay, great. You know, it's really interesting because, <laughs> uh, I love the kids, I swear. Um, what Brianna is talking about is that a lot of the goals that she's actually interested in, she started going to 
almost like relational kinds of goals or, or um, interactive kinds of goals was the very first thing. And then, and then what I heard her say is this will be very good for them. And so it's almost like she's, it's, she's not so worried about the goals for herself per se, as that she will be, um, as they're focusing on interactive, <laughs> she's so cute, as, um, oh, sorry, hold on a second. Uh, okay. All right, stop making me laugh. Okay, so as she's, as she's um, <laughs> really cute. Um, and she's, <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Okay, hold on a second, I'm gonna get myself together. Yeah, yeah she's hysterical about this. She's just, her personality is very, she's just very funny about this. So she is looking more for like relational kinds of goals and um, you could call them communication goals, but what she's really looking for is interactive kinds of goals. And as those goals of interaction are there, um, then she's actually helping and teaching them to interact from a more intuitive kind of place. She's, um, it, she's very clear about why she's wherever she is in this educational setting. She feels like she's, um, yeah, like let's play, let's play, let's let's play and see what we can get people to grow into, is what I'm hearing from her, and so, so in many ways, I know that you might want her to have some very specific goals to, you know, help her uh, to grow um, in her cognitive or behavioral or those kinds of things. But again, she's saying my capacity is to really help people grow into their, their interactions, grow into like a deeper sense of interaction. So she's really asking for those kinds of goals. But again, because they're good for the people that she's going to be um, interacting with. So that might not have been quite what you wanted. If there's more to that, um, let Sharon know. But I hope that was helpful. She's just, um, yeah, it's not about, I mean, again, uh, we're getting a theme here where there's a capacity within these kids that the moment that we really start acknowledging that capacity, we're starting to feed something that's going to be a lifelong skill for them. And the same thing um, holds true for her, right? As for the child that we addressed previously, you know, it's like, what are these skills that they have? And how do we tap into those skills? How do we make those skills known and value them so that they know that no matter what situation they're in going forward, we, we can acknowledge as their parents or as the professionals that work with them that, yeah, you've got this capacity and we want to we want to grow it so that you're you know you've got it and you use it in your life throughout throughout your whole life so yeah i hope that's helpful 
All right, this one is, my son is experiencing even more OCD than before, and that's saying something. He addresses it as if it's just something he has to do. He actually says, I have to do my OCD. I provide him space and support to help him do his OCD and move through whatever he must. He won't share what his experience is, although I have continued to ask. Anything you can share in terms of his experience and how I may further support him? Well, one, I love hearing that you're giving him the space for his behaviors. Um, And, you know, I think that we've discussed before that, you know, if we had the volume of information running through us, that some of these kids did do, we would be a little OCD as well. It doesn't surprise me, honestly, that it's increasing right now because when you consider what's going on in the world and the sheer energy of chaos that is everywhere, I'm talking everywhere, not just in the United States or in, you know, it's, it's the whole planet is in some form of chaos. So if you have a if you have a child who is responds to that energetic chaos by trying to organize it all um, through his behaviors, then it is going to increase when that's all taking place. Again, there's on the one hand, this kind of behavior can be really challenging to him and to other people in the household. But on again, the other side of that is there is a capacity in his ability to organize all of that kind of energy. And so having the space to organize it, you know, giving him a lot of space to do what he needs to do, I think is absolutely brilliant. And also recognizing and maybe even saying to him, wow, I don't know how you organize all that information. I don't know how you're, you know, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing because he's taking, he's taking collective chaos and he's trying to run it through a neurological system, a human neurological, psychological, biological system right? But the volume of information that's trying to go through that little system, let's say, or those little systems, it's like those little systems just don't support the volume of information. So if nothing else, we need to just be able to say to him, wow, this is a capacity. You know, this is a, don't know how you're doing that because it's lots and lots of volumes of information. Um, I'm just looking at one other thing. Um, so, um, he's also asking for, and I think you can just do this on his behalf. If he'll do it for himself, that's great, but I wouldn't start there necessarily. Um, I would expand his fields his neurological fields, his psychological fields, his biological fields. And we don't have to really know what that means necessarily or or how to do it. Even the intention is that you're expanding the energy field 
that is psychological to more um, coherently match the information that's coming in. Yep, and a lot of people, we all have been conditioned to shut down and get smaller when the information that's coming in is too big for us or feels too big for us. But he's showing me actually the opposite. You know, we want to, ex it's just like, it's just like if something's really heart heavy for us, we have a tendency and we've been conditioned to close our hearts down and kind of put the shields up and stay away from it. Whereas when we open our hearts to those kind of same situations, whatever's being thrown at us goes right through, you know, it's, it's a bigger space. So he's showing me that same thing, expand, yeah. So let's expand those, his neurological fields, energy fields, and let, let's just get that to match a little bit closer to what he's bringing through him. Yeah, and then let's do it with the psychological fields. So open that all the way up, open, 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 open. And then, yeah, it's, it's like the difference between dropping a rock into a teacup and drop, drop, dropping a rock into the ocean, right? It's, um, it's not as big of a disturbance when we're dropping it into the ocean, more space, more field. Okay, so let's take his biological fields and open, open those up. That's where, he's, that's where he's a little tight. His biological fields, that's where he's, um, there's tension in the body. Um, and so we're going to release that tension by opening those fields. I would just do that for him or with him on a pretty regular basis. And let's not try to stop the OCD behaviors. Let's just create a field that's big enough to take the information in that needs to be taken in. Yeah. So I hope that's helpful. He's, yeah, it's, it's specifically the biological fields um, for him. So we'll just push that back out. Yeah. Okay. All right, this question. My 20-year-old with autism is transitioning from public special education school system into adulthood. I can tell he's struggling with it. Can you check with him and see how best she can support him through this transition? You know, it's so, again, let's acknowledge something here. It's, he's in a transition and there's, there's never really been a whole lot of support for him in any of these transitions. You know, he's taking me back to, you know, kindergarten to, you know, first grade, you know, it's those kinds of transitions from middle school to, you know, all those transitions have been um, challenging, not because he wasn't capable of those transitions, but because the people who were attempting to help him make that transition just didn't understand what that was for him, what that feels like for him. Um, and, and also, you know, again, what the capacity is within that. So let me see something here. What does he need to make this transition a little bit easier? First, he needs an acknowledgement 
that just like us, if we, if we had never experienced the right kind of support, right, in our lives, we're, and we're getting ready to make it in transitions, and we're getting ready to make another transition, what would, why would we believe that that transition was going to be any easier than any of the other ones, right? So I think first, what we really want to acknowledge for him is, you know what? Transitions have never been easy. And, and this one isn't necessarily easy either. And it's not all your fault. It's not your fault that transitions are challenging for you, right? You've never quite received what you absolutely needed in order to make that shift. So let's acknowledge that. So his, so at least his, his body, his mind, his spirit can just relax into the fact that, okay, I, um, yeah, there's just an acknowledgement. I think that that's really important for him. Um, I, it's the main importance because there is a, a deeper capacity within him to make these transitions, but he's put so much pressure on himself that these transitions are, or his lack of ability to transition has been his fault or his weakness or his inability. And it's not, it's just not true. I mean, when you think about how many people in the world have some understanding of the challenges that he might have experienced in his lifetime, but very few have really delved into and or asked, you know, what it is like for him to kind of make those transitions. They might assume that they know, but nobody's really asked, you know, and so and maybe that's because they didn't have the capacity to ask, or maybe he didn't have the capacity or the ability to respond to them in the way that they would have liked to be responded to. But, but I first off, I would just say, um, we're going to acknowledge for him, all of us, because that it's hard. It's, it's really hard. And it has not been you. It's um, your challenge with transitions has not always been you. It's um, people just don't understand and that's real. And we wanna validate that for him. Um, yeah, even as I say that my whole body just relaxes. It's like, oh, wait a minute. They, they get the most important piece that I can, I can come into transition. I can come into another way of moving from one space to the other provided that that my experience to this date has been acknowledged you know i mean if you we put any of us in the same position you know it's like if i'm going to transition from this house to another one and i've always had bad situations moving from one house to another i'm going to assume that this one's not going to be so easy either right so yeah, and I just have to acknowledge to myself that that's the case. And then there's, it's like what he's showing me as soon as that acknowledgement's there, there's this opening up of this deeper capacity within him to make that transition because it's not all his burden. It's not all on him. 
somebody has seen him, valued, loved him, appreciated the fact that, you know, he is going to make this transition, but it's challenging. Um, that in and of itself makes the whole thing so much easier. And the other thing he is saying too is that because people have been seeing him through their lens, through his whole educational career, let's say, educational experience, there's been this projection of what he is and is not capable of, what he, and he's kind of going, wait a minute, he goes, under the right circumstances, everybody is capable. So you just haven't found the right circumstances yet, <laughs> you know, it's like, but, but the, the capacity to, the capacity to transition with ease is there. It's just, he's just saying that it's a collaborative effort. It's not, it's not all about how he experiences it, you know? So a couple questions to ask yourself and or the transition team, let's say, is not just how are they experiencing this? I mean, how is he experiencing this, but how are they experiencing this? Yeah, what's coming up for them as they're experiencing his transition? What's coming up for you as you're experiencing his transition? Yeah, that way people are, hmm. In some cases, some of the professionals, if you ask a professional that question, some professionals go, I'm fine. It's like, I'm, I'm glad he's transitioning. He's going on, right? Okay, go on. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with him, go on. Again, that's telling you something, right? I'm not, I'm not connected to his experience of it. My experience is, is, okay, it's done. Let's just, okay, next kid. Other professionals, oh my gosh, you know, my heart really hurts. I loved working with him. I, you know, it's, it's been so amazing to, you know, I wish I didn't have to let him go. You know, you might have those kinds of people in your experience as well. But again, understand that those are energetic uh, attachments. Those are energetic uh, things that he may be picking up that other profession, I mean, other uh, kids that are transitioning just wouldn't. Um, so let's pay attention to how we feel in his transition. And I think that's also going to help quite a bit as well. So, okay. All right, this question. My daughter has gained a substantial amount of weight and feels badly about herself, so much so that she will not go out of the house to places in the area, in the area fearing people who know her from, she knows from the past will see her and judge her. She has decided to begin a weight loss program today that I am on. It is my intention to support her in any way I am able, including provider space when she will need it. Is there any additional information that you might be able to help her and me? Well, like you already kind of um said this, there's, there's an energetic pattern um, that is more, um, there's, a, there's a little bit of a protective pattern that goes down through the lineage um, in this case. And so maybe it is true that 
that the different women in the lineage have picked up, um, have had certain fears, anxieties, stresses, or whatever those things are. And as a buffer, a buffering system to those stresses, um, weight gain or something along those lines has been a way of protecting that energetic field, right? And so, so, and it's interesting, she's kind of telling you that because she's saying, you know, I, I have shame, guilt, you know, whatever, um, I'm more shame than guilt is what it really feels like. But so, you know, I have these insecurities, let's say, and those insecurities need to be buffered by something. They need to, I need to create a separation between my insecurities and the world around me. So very often that can be weight gain. Um, and so when we, again, when we don't make it about a wrongness about her, it's like so many people, you know, because we've been conditioned to see weight gain as some kind of, weakness or whatever it's it's an energetic pattern it's it's just an energetic pattern and we can choose to shift that pattern yep but very often in order to shift that pattern we we want to go underneath to what those what those um anxieties are what those stressors are what that that um what are we protecting ourselves from yep and so so it's great to for her to choose for herself um you know her diet or whatever you know whatever program she's going to be on but what we really want to do because that's that's almost like saying hey i value myself and i want myself to present in the world in a particular way. So that's that's just that. But the other piece that's much more important is what's underneath that. You know, what's, what's underneath that, um, what is she protecting within herself? What has the lineage, the female lineage protected within itself? And my guess is having four daughters myself and um, what I know about that is that usually what what you get for yourself is going to be what you would what she would say to, right? It's they're 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 interwoven. So um, yeah. So so just let's let's just look. Let's okay. We've got this lineage line, and there's a little bit in what it feels like to me is it's. It's insecurity, and what I hear in this regard is the insecurity is around somehow that they're better, whoever they are out there, they're better than I am. And again, this goes back to the lineage not really been having been taught the capacity. I mean, these women in this lineage also have this amazing capacity, this capacity for empathy, this capacity for, um, for this, almost like this, uh, there's a capacity for empathy, there's a capacity, there's a tenacity 
in the women in this line as well. There's a capacity for like open-heartedness and 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 even you know laughter, joy. These kinds of things are also there. And so, but it's almost like what got fostered in this line, in this energetic line, was more a sense of um, yeah um, that that somehow those things were not were not a capacity. It's almost like what got fostered was this other piece of, okay, um, um, the insecurities, right? All the reasons why somebody should be insecure instead of secure. And it's ironic because the gift of empathy is the very thing that could make everybody in this line secure, right? The gift of knowing how somebody else feels lets you know that it's not you. When somebody's standing in front of you, you know it's not you, it's them, right? You're, you're empathetic, you're picking that energy up. Very often you were probably picking up somebody else's insecurities. You know, your daughter has learned to do that as well. Your mother probably learned to do that as well. So, so let's have a conversation with her in the midst of, okay, great, you're choosing whatever program you wanna choose to help you lose this weight, that's great. And let's also understand that you might not need that weight anymore as a buffer between you and someone else. If you really grow into your empathy, if you really grow into your knowledge that that empathy is what keeps you safe. Yeah, I hope that's helpful, yeah. Yeah, this mom responded in saying that in her own her own diet, it was she's feeling more freedom and the weight was an armor of some sort. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And we all again, this is where, you know, programming makes one thing good and another thing bad. You know, it's like and programming, you know, if you're if you're heavy, then that means you're quote unquote wrong. If you're old, you're wrong. If you're this, you're wrong. If you're that, you're wrong. If you're not the the configuration. But again, it's like that's an extra layer that honestly, I understand why people try to protect themselves from that. Yeah, because it's not true. I mean, nobody's wrong because of it. That's simply just a pattern. That's simply just an energetic pattern that's run down through the lineage. So and when we get that, we can we can shift that just as easily as anything else. So. All right, this question. My nonverbal daughter is experiencing what I think is a severe yeast infection. I have on her her natural remedies and a diet to help get rid of it. I believe she is now experiencing candida. Uh, she is experiencing severe discomfort in the pelvic region and has been very violent towards me during this time. How can I know that what I am doing is helpful and that I make her understand that she is going, what she is going through won't last forever? Is there something that I can do to decrease the violence? She's talking really fast. Hold on just a second. Um, what's going through? Um, Okay, she's layering this out. So, um, 
And I, I, um, I'll just be honest. I'm just going to say what she's saying to me because I don't really understand how all these things go together, but she's just, I mean, she's literally like kind of going layer one, layer two, <laughs> layer three, let's have this conversation. So layer one is there is some relationship between um, candida um, yeast infections and what I'm going to call a like, give me the right words. Hold on a second. Okay, so the candida itself, the yeast infection itself, has some representation to. I'm going to say like a um, a disconnect from like the, the sweetness of life or a disconnect from that which nurtures, right? That which, not, not, not that which just gives food, but that which actually nurtures, that which actually feeds, right? And so there's some relationship between the candida and that, that whole energy. So let's, we're gonna collect that up and move that over. So, um, we see the next layer because it's like, it's almost like from, and you can imagine that again, you know, you've got this, your daughter in her nonverbal experience of the world is sensing and seeing and feeling all of it. Not, this is not about your household per se or anything like this. It's not a criticism in any way. It's she's simply aware of the way in which people get fed in their lives, truly get fed or do not. And it has to do with whether life is sweet or whether it is not, right? And so that's that first energy that kind of creates the environment in that whole pelvic girdle around this yeast infection. So that's the energetic template for it. That's the foundation for it. So we're moving that aside. So the next piece is, is that when you also consider that she is, when, when you also consider that she's a little girl that has no voice, Yep, she's a girl that has no voice. And so when you, when you are, oh man. So that this is another layer of the energetics that go into her yeast infection. So, so when you think about it, you know, we have lived in a humanity for quite some time where women across the board have had no voice. You know, it's like we're, um, it's, she is, yeah, thank you. She's such a beautiful representation in many ways of, of this, right? And so that energy also creates the, the field, let's say, for a yeast infection as well. So there's that energy too. So let's, 
Yeah, because what she's saying to me is with or without a voice, I can be heard. Yes, with or without a voice, I can be heard. With or without a voice, I am uh, I am a, a, a girl moving into being a woman. Yet I it is my desire to bring my voice forward in whatever way she brings it forward, whether she spells or speaks or dances or writes or, you know, paints or whatever it is. It's like, so there's this, there is this deep desire and there's part of this yeast infection for her that I know, you know, we have a tendency to look at our little people and kind of go, okay, they're little people. It's about them. But let me tell you, the, the energy running through her is pretty vast. So, so it's not just about her and her body and her, it's this energetic template that's running through. So we're going to collect all that energy up. We're going to move that out too. And then, and then the next layer is this layer of, it's almost like, okay, well, if I can, if I can experience the sweetness of life, if I can can experience that joy if I can find my voice as a as a girl you know and develop that voice this is what she really wants this is the at the crux of this yeast infection this is what she wants to support on this is what she wants help with she wants to it to be understood that that she wants to know that regardless of what the circumstances are of her experience, that she too can have joy. She too can experience the sweetness of life. Not only that, she can bring other people to it, right? She's got the capacity to bring it to it. So for you as her parent, I would also ask for yourself, you know, where is it? within yourself that you would want those same things for you. Yeah, that's the same things that she's just talking about that she wants for her. Where do you want those for you? And how can you can you encourage yourself? Because you're as you're encouraging yourself, you're encouraging her and vice versa. Um, I don't, uh, whatever protocol you're on, for the yeast infection, that is, again, that's a that's a physical manifestation of something that's trying to shift from having a yeast infection to not having a yeast infection. But and it'll it'll do the trick. It'll work itself through. But the bigger piece and the part that where the aggression was really starting to come out is again, you know, if somebody grabbed you and put their hand over your mouth and said, you're not allowed to talk. And they said, not only are you not allowed to talk, but not, neither are any of the other little girls or women on this planet. You, something's going to come out of you. Yeah, something, <laughs> something's going to come from underneath and say, watch me, right? And so some of that aggressive energy that she's been tapping into, um, it, that's what's pulling out. But let's just let's just be aware of that um within you ourselves as women and her as well and we'll let the we'll let the 
medication for the yeast or the protocol for the yeast do its thing, but that's really secondary to this deeper underlying piece. Um, it's just like a diet. We can pick any diet, quite frankly. And, but if we don't go underneath it, then it still creates. So it's the same thing. Yeah. 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 That's helpful. Okay, this will be the last question. Okay. Um, after some significant energy work is done with our children, what can we do? Let's see, what can we help do during what I experience as the incubation period or stage while the new pattern is integrating? And she's wondering what sh she can do to help. She also has a second part that I think goes with it. And it says, and what can we do to manage our expectations for fast change and not lose ground and hope, hope when we don't see that? Yeah, I think you answered your first question with your second question. <laughs> so that's really great. Um, yeah, I mean, any time that any time that somebody is shifting dramatically, there is going to be a time lag. That, that's all there is to it. Um, when you at some point that time lag all catches up and everything kind of syncs up and does what it needs to do um, or shows up in the way it needs to show up needs to show up through the it shows up in the way that the energy work moved uh that experience right so it's it it's it does sync up at some point based on how the energy work moved that experience. But there is a time lag very often um, because you've got, you've got lighter frequencies trying to influence denser frequencies. And it's kind of like water when you're dripping water on something and it starts to erode it over time, right? And um, sometimes you're flooding that experience with water and it erodes very quickly and other times it it has to drip and we don't know why it has to drip i don't know why it has to drip sometimes that's the case but again if we if we do just keep in mind that the change is being made we're just not in charge of the timing of the change yep that's that's as much as we would like it to be in our timing, it, it, my experience says it almost never is. <laughs> so very rarely. Um, so, but what you do want to stay, keep a hold of is the energetics of that transformation. You already know what you've seen energetically or how that has shown up in those conversations or you know, in your, while you're working with them or somebody else is working with them, you know what's come to the surface. So hold that as the new template. Go back to, uh, nope, that's what, that's what we noticed. That's what we saw. That's what we experienced. That's where the energy, that's the new template. Hold that every single time you wonder, or go back to that every single time you wonder why that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and you'll actually be adding to the field 
you know, the minute we go into fear, worry, and concern that it hasn't happened yet, that's what we're adding to the field and we push it out that, that much further. So just go right back to, oh, this is what, this is what happened. This is what we did. This is what I saw. This is what we noticed. Feed right back, feed energy to that. And the lineup will happen a lot quicker. So, yeah. Cool. All right, she said, thank you. That was very helpful. And uh, that's it. Okay. All right. So, um, oh my gosh, what great questions, amazing questions. And um, so let me see if there's anything else I want to share with you before we say goodbye today. So maybe just um, not so much anything to add, but something to reiterate, which is you know, again, we have been conditioned to look for what's wrong and try to fix it. And so again, let's, let's just have a question mark. You know, whatever is challenging in our lives or the lives of our kids, what's the capacity that's underneath that? What's this challenge bringing up as a capacity, right? So um, it's a really good question because we know that in any challenge in life, there's the challenge, but there's also the part of us that can rise up to meet it. And so what, yeah, let's, let's look for the capacity, that's that. And then the other piece too, that I think is worth reiterating is nothing in the physical world is really as it seems. You know, we get so fixated on the physical part of things. And it's not that we don't want to be healthy and vibrant and alive and joyful and all of that's, 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 that's all part of it. That's how, um, that's how we're designed to be, right? Well, sometimes we get so fixated on the physical that we're making these little movements in the physical world that really have something underneath them. And until we kind of get underneath, we can't really make that physical change. So at the very least, we're looking at, you know, what is the emotional energy around something versus just what are the physical circumstances of it? So um, yeah, books like um, The Presence Process by Michael Brown gets you to those emotional energies underneath, The Emotion Code. Um, I can't remember what, oh, here it is. Uh, uh, Bradley Nelson is the emotion code. Um, those kinds of let's, you know, finding ways to get underneath and or even just asking yourself when something arises, you know, let's, let's take it out of the physical realm and say, okay, you know, how old is the one within me that's having this experience? How old is the one that's triggered by this experience? And let's just ask her what she needs. You know, what do you need? And um, again, it just, it just takes us one layer underneath the physical and starts, it's much easier to shift something from there than it is to try to shift it in the physical world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I hope that was all helpful. It was lovely talking to you all. And uh, thanks for the questions. 
and I'll see you next time. Bye.